Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second part of this series that we're doing specially for the Outlaw Nation, where me and my cinephiles co-host, which you see right there, the great Steve Morris, we break down one film from the Best Picture uh, nominees here as we lead and walk up to the Oscars happening next Sunday. And today's film is Belfast, this fantastic new film from uh, Kenneth Branagh that came out last year. Steve Morris, first let me check in with you. How are you? How are you feeling on this Saturday afternoon? I'm pretty good. I just had a school picnic with the kid, and there was scooters, and there was people that I had to talk to, which I'm okay at, and, you know, (laughs) I went pretty well. How about you? Uh, Good. Same thing. Hanging out uh, down in in San Diego near the beach with the lady outlaw and her family and for a little while, and then back here to talk about this film. But, you know, Steve, you talk about father and son, and certainly that's a big part of uh, this film that we're talking about today, Belfast. It chronicles the life of a working-class Ulster Protestant family from the perspective of their nine-year-old son, Buddy, who was played by newcomer Jude Hill. Uh, And uh, during the troubles in Belfast in Northern Ireland in 1969, and this is a semi-autobiographical film uh, brought to us by Kenneth Branagh, who wrote and directed this thing. Uh, Buddy's father, Pa, who is played by, uh, uh, by Jamie Dornan, he works over in England while the mom is back in Belfast with uh, uh, Buddy's older brother, Will, and their paternal grandparents, Granny and Pa, who are played uh, by the great, the dame Judy Dench and Kieran Hines, and the mom is played by Katrina Bell from Outlander. So, Steve, I'll start with you first. Overall thoughts on this film, black and white film, color initially, then black and white for a majority of them, and back to color. What did you think, uh, and what was your feeling about this film, both as a father, but also as a filmmaker and as a reviewer here? Um, I, I, first of all, thought it was really nice getting a movie from Kenneth Branagh that was so personal. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. Like, his, you know, he's done, obviously, lots and lots of Shakespeare. He's done, he did Thor, which we just recently talked yes. about. He right. did Frankenstein. He did, you know, a lot of movies that are higher concept. Mm-hmm. And this was so intimate and felt so real and i love and all of the little touches of life in that time mm-hmm. and and what was so interesting to me too was how much i related to that little kid even though he's growing up in a world that's very very different from the world that i grew up in mm-hmm. and you you know you're showing some images from the film yeah. the other thing is it's gorgeous yeah it just looks amazing i mean it's such a love letter to film as yeah. well power of film and as you said it's a personal thing, so certainly a personal thing for uh, for Brana for Brana rather. To I'm, I'm getting schooled on how to say his last name better by some British friends from Brana. Um, and you know, you're right because we've seen him do the Shakespeare and the uh, film noir and the murder mystery and Thor and Artemis Fowl and all these Cinderella and all these bigger productions. And we forget that he can do a fantastic small black and white black and white film like he did with a film called A Midwinter's Tale, which mm. hardly anyone has ever seen. And it's a fantastic little film. And it felt to me like this was in concert with A Midwinter's Tale. This is Brana going all Brana going all the way back to something that uh, he did well way back in the past, just like he's going back in the past to explore uh, his upbringing, what he was going through. And I thought, Steve, I thought they handled also the exploration of the troubles. Very well, very deftly here. You really felt in a more personal way, in a more intimate way, what was going on here during that time in 1969 and what they were experiencing uh, and the power to escape, the need to escape uh, and the need to believe that there's something better out there. And we see that throughout the movie as Buddy is kind of slowly 
growing up, uh, even though he's only nine years old, I think in the movie, he's slowly kind of growing up and realizing that these childhood dreams of his, there's a reality that uh, in a very, a very rough reality that he's constantly facing throughout the movie, whether it's the bombings, whether it's the attacks on his mom and his dad, whether it's the fear of his father not being there when they're being attacked or his father having to confront the local uh, uh, member there of the pseudo gang that's there I- I- at that time. Um, and also them ha- him having to confront them leaving uh, 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 Belfast to go and find a better life in England. So a lot here that the kid has put through. And I thought, let's move to the acting. I thought Jude Hill was absolutely fantastic oh, yeah. as a child actor. Uh, and, and everybody across the board was just fantastically genuine and honest and real in their portrayals. And I found that to be so, um, just so pleasant in the movie. Yeah, I think I, I, real is real. real is exactly the right word. I think I just felt so connected and grounded. And and the thing that's interesting about the film to me, for me, I don't know what your experience was, but mm. it's a slow build. Mm-hmm. You know, like I for the first half, I was like, okay, I'm in sort of this slice of life, and this is a really yeah. interesting world. And you peripherally are seeing little hints of this larger conflicts. Yes. And then there's a certain point where all of it comes together. Yeah. And and it really walloped me. Like mm-hmm. once once it's which I didn't expect for a while. It's like, okay, this is interesting. This is interesting. Then like, oh no. And yeah. one of the he does so many things so well directorially. And one of them, I think, is that the kid loves pop culture. He's watching Star Trek. He's watching, yes. you know, we go to the movies and That's see Thor how comic. Yeah. yeah, Thor comic. And then you see how he is framing his reality. Mm-hmm in terms of his experience in film and it particularly i won't spoil it but when it gets to these climactic moments and it very much is handled as a western you know and it is real and that's where it kind of that's where i mean it walloped me because all of these elements that i've seen like his life and what he's going through the pressure on the family the pressure on the dad the other relationships the troubles all of it all of a sudden all came together in this really filmic moment yeah and i just went oh wow this is really is a great film, you know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, the great filmmakers, Steve, we've seen quite a few great filmmakers tell stories that are close to them, intimate stories that are close to them or close to their experiences. Right. And this is another one to put on that pile. And they're rare. They're rare. The great ones that actually tell their own stories and direct their telling of their own stories and come out with a fantastic film. And certainly you, feel that throughout this movie and you're right the the way he's framing we see things through buddy's point of view yeah. and then the general overall point of view what's happening uh and i think that's a great mix right mm-hmm. and you, you, like you said seeing the way he's framing things from his perspective at nine years old but then we're seeing these real slices of reality with her struggling with her husband and his wayward ways with the taxes and him being overseas uh her getting the calls the pressure from the local gang. And then also we're seeing Buddy getting caught up with his cousin and, you know, carried into a riot. And she's got to that man. save him and put the uh, the grocery, uh, the, the whatever he stole there out of the grocery back. Yeah, you please talk about that. Well, just, I mean, you know, it, 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 this is how these things are coming together. Yeah. And, and I like what you said, by the way, about how you're seeing it through the kids. Pers- you're seeing it in multiple perspectives. Yes. Because yes. The, what that collision between the kid coming of age and real rioting and violence. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm sure you got dragged into a situation by an older kid at a certain point where it's like, Uh, Oh (laughs) yeah. And I did too, but I don't think you got dragged into a situation where there was 
guns and violence and rioting, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. that's what, and that, and then the choice, and I guess this is a bit of a spoiler when mom says you're going back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, it's, and I'm going like, oh my God, this mom is amazing. And don't <laughs> go. What are you doing? You're right. insane. Like, and, and I think too, what you, you know, you said, what is it like as a father? It was hard because. Yeah you're completely seeing things how the kid is seeing them and you're right. also seeing what's actually going on and them trying to parent. Yeah. Parenting's hard enough Yeah, and doing it in this circumstance. And this weird thing of, we don't want to burden our kid with how fucking serious everything is. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't want our kid to be in danger, you yeah. know, like yeah. they have to know to some degree that this just this isn't just your life and school and the school project and the girl you like and all that stuff that's real stuff. There's this other stuff that's going on that's yeah. real scary, you know. Yeah, and I think that's one of the gifts of the movie as well, Steve. You talk about it. Let's move into that. The relationships here, the relationships are so well played played out and drawn out and written, and you get to really savor them and enjoy them and connect with them. You know, we talk about uh, Jamie Dornan and Katrina Balf, their relationship throughout it's the great. movie. Really, we see it get. get attested we see them struggling with the situation we sense that this guy in the past was a guy who made some mistakes but she loves him and she's willing to stand by him as they figure and look and it wasn't like people back then were having like oh i'll just get divorced and have another choice and get another choice right. most people weren't doing that and especially you know if they're protestant or even catholic on either side there is this expectation of you know you got to kind of see it through and fight for it to stay alive and so certainly she had dealt with stuff and then we see how he is slowly kind of understanding what is happening here and creates the possibility of a way out in his interactions with his father as he's having these conversations about what to do with his family, what to do with his wife, what to do with his kids, and possibly glimpsing leaving Belfast. And then near the end, that beautiful moment of him singing to her, we really kind of savor this relationship so much, don't you think? Absolutely. Well, and I think the thing the thing they do so well is I don't think there's ever a moment that you think that they don't love each other. You yeah. know what I mean? Like what they do is they create all these outside pressures. And and so you're going, I don't know how this relationship can survive. Right. But not that you go, they hate each other. That's not that's not the emotional experience. You see them fighting to fighting for their family, you know, yeah. and trying yeah. to figure out how do you do that? How do, under these circumstances? Is it and, and it's so funny because we live in a world where people move all the time, you know, yeah, that right. people that the norm is you don't actually stay that close to your extended family. This world is everyone is there. Yeah. You know, everyone nobody you know. leaves. You don't leave. And that's what they have to contemplate, you know. Yeah. yeah. And the people they leave behind. Let's take a look at that relationship here with uh, Dame Judy Jensen, Kieran Hines, his mom, uh, oh, sorry, his grandpa and, and grandma in this film. They're fantastic. Their They're chemistry great. is so well done. The little, you know, the little jabs at each other's expenses is so well done. And you can tell there's genuine love that they have for Buddy, genuine desire to kind of school him and guide him as best they can. So we're seeing, you know, these strong relationships from the mother and father to the grandfather and the grandmother for Buddy to kind of build a, a strength within him, a build, give him some uh, foundation to go with because of all the unease and all the um, unsettled nature of where he's growing up, these two relationships provide a foundation or an anchor in the ground, a strong anchor in the ground to allow him to have a foundation from which to spring from. Well, and this is why 
this is they make the idea that we shouldn't leave or what is important about staying right, right. they make it tangible and in particular because as you say the kid is getting things from his grandparents that he's yeah. not getting anywhere else yeah. and the other thing again it's being in being able having a movie where you can see things in multiple perspectives is we know there's stuff going on with the grandparents right that buddy doesn't yes. you know right, and, right. and and so we see something is coming yeah. You know, and they don't put a lot of spin on it. They don't yeah. put a lot on it, but you have that sense of dread of what might be coming. And Buddy is unaware of it, you yeah. know. And, um, and yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's a, Judy Dench getting nominated. I know. I don't know if we're going to get to that yet. No, but, we will. Absolutely. Yeah. But but like to me, you know, she's had so many accolades in her career. There's a certain point where it's like you kind of have to top yourself to me yeah. to yeah. get that Oscar. But man, she turns in a good performance. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll definitely get to the Oscar nominations just in just a little bit. Another thing I want to ask you as a director, Steve, doing a black and white film, transitioning from color to black and white, the uh, expectations or the restrictions of black and white. I don't know about you and the cinematography. I don't know about you, but this is one of the most gorgeous black and white films gorgeous. I've ever seen. And it's basically set on one alley of houses in one city in Belfast. So... Talk to me as a director, what really kind of caught your eye in Brana's direction and also in the cinematography in this movie? Wouldn't it be cool? We have two incredibly beautiful black and white films this year between this and Macbeth. Yeah, right. Wouldn't it be cool if black and white became a thing again? <laughs> because I, I'm down. I mean, black and white was, you know, as you know, it was that comedies were in color and dramas were in black and white. And that was true until the 60s. And then you had, you know, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And you had Last Picture Show. And yeah. then after that, there's very little black. It's a rarity. Mm -hmm. I, and I think black and white photography and cinematography is stunning. Mm -hmm. And I, it's like to say, and, 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 and the thing I love about it too is movies aren't real. And, and part of black and white photography is saying, no, this is the world that we're creating. Yeah, And this is what it is. And it doesn't have to look like reality. And in some ways, black and white allows you to look at things in a different way yeah. and see things in a different way. And I think, and also the very spare use of color that is in the film is really interesting. But it looked, every single shot, I was going, oh my God, look at this place. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and this is the same cinematographer that Branagh has used for Cinderella and for the, the recent Death on the Nile that's come out. And Artemis Fowl. His name is uh, his name is uh, Harris Zamberlucas. So uh, he was fantastic in framing the black and white stuff uh, here in the movie. Absolutely, and kind of bringing you into that world, into the reality of that world, so effectively. And I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, another thing to discuss here is the um, and, and Brano's direction. I think he got such great performances out of yep. everybody, but also the, the pacing of the film, the editing, and you know, Brano I'm sure is involved in that. Branagh is, is involved in that as well. But I really enjoyed how he got everything that he could get out of this story, made it feel intimate, even had that moment here where we see the one sparkle of colors on the stage kind yeah. of giving you the symbolism that that is what kind of inspires him to pursue going into theater and directing and acting and all of that, how it influenced him in a moment of real tumult in his life, how that was a silver lining or, or, or a possible oasis in the amongst yes. all the madness going on in his world. It, it, it's so funny. I think it's an amazing choice and handled so sparingly and so perfectly yeah. is that is, there's this weird sense in that the, the unreality is more real to buddy 
than yeah. the reality. Okay. You know, that you could see that it's that world that he that is pulling him. Yeah. Um, I think that's just beautifully done. You know, it just occurred to me as we've been talking yeah. is I think Belfast is kind of a 70s movie because, Ooh. you know, okay. because it doesn't have it. Because one of the things that I think 70s movies do so well is that like if you think of the 80s movie as the perfectly machine plot. Mm-hmm. Everything is going, everything is set up exactly right, yeah. you know, and it's all going to deliver. The 70s movie will deliver, but it's going to meander and get there in the, the way that it gets there. Yeah. And that's very much how I felt this movie was, is that we're just in this world yeah. and everything is going to come to a head. But really, we're just kind of in, living in this space a lot yeah. and getting to know it. And I thought that was just beautifully done. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. One last thing to talk about, um, and we are going to get to the Oscar nominations in just a second, but um, the music in the in the film is fantastic here. I, in my opinion, the Van Morrison, uh, yeah. uh, basically the Van Morrison catalog that's used mm-hmm. throughout the movie was great to hear those songs again, because I own all of them and love them, but hear them put into an Irish uh, movie here, kind of connecting even more to the motherland here for Van Morrison, to have that be a part of this film. How much did you enjoy hearing those tracks did you like hearing those tracks did they elevate your enjoyment of the movie even more so first of all i love that music too that's like yeah. you know it, it, it it's all great and it feels very familiar and i think the thing that this movie did that i'd never seen before the the commitments maybe being the only other one mm. is that in my mind when i picture the troubles yeah i picture this environment that's really really different from me and how i grew up Mm-hmm. And the, having those songs in it and having the pop culture references in it made yeah. me go, oh, for this kid who's just a little older than me, yeah. he was experiencing the normal stuff, the stuff yeah. that happens for kids. And that music, I think, was key in grounding it into a particular era, you know, yeah. that I could relate to. Yeah. And it gave us a window in a Brana. You know, for so long, I don't know about you, Steve, you know, combine this with the interview with Mark Maron. Mm-hmm. I thought Kenneth Branagh was like, you know, a rich kid who ended up at the Shakespeare and was driven by ego to be seen in this Shakespearean way, like Gil Good before him, like Olivier before him, yeah. or Derek yeah. Jacoby even before him. Um, but no, this guy comes from a hard scrabble beginning, a tough beginning, a rough beginning, and found his way into theater, into performance, into acting, into directing. And that has been the blood and guts of what he's created. So you may have a perception of Branna, but this film kind of gives you a whole different point of view on him and a whole new way to view him as a performer and as a director. You know, what's interesting that just occurred to me is that because I had the same, I had the same reaction, particularly from that Marin interview, but I just suddenly went, you know, and you know, this when, when you hang out with actors, Mm -hmm. they are not what you think they are because we see them acting and sure Richard Burton could get up and deliver the Shakespeare but he could also deliver a whole bunch of pints and whiskey and get and party. You know, yeah. it's like those that group of guys, I I am sure as brilliant as they were hanging out with Peter O'Toole and Richard yeah. Harris and all those people, like there was a lot of intensity and drinking and passion and fun and silliness. Yeah. And I think that it wouldn't surprise me that Brana would fit in, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Brana. I have to do it now too. I know. Brana. I, okay. Trust me, I gotta get it in my 
in my mouth. All right, let's talk about these Oscars real quick before we wrap up. It is nominated for Best Original Screenplay, for Best Picture of the Year. It is for Best uh, Supporting Actor for Kieran Hines, Best Sound, Best Director for Kenneth Branagh, uh, Best Achievement in Music Written for a Motion Picture. It's original song, Van Morrison's song, uh, Down to Joy, is nominated. And so is Judy Dench, as you mentioned, the Dame Judy Dench, for Best Supporting Actor. So where do you see, first of all, nice haul for a black mm-hmm. and white film Set in 1969, a very nice haul. Um, where do you see the victories in these list of, of nominees nominations for Belfast? So um, it's it's funny. I haven't seen most of the original screenplay nominees. I've seen Don't Look Up, but I okay. haven't seen King Richard Licorice Pizza or The Worst Person in the World. Right. But that is a, that is a category. I definitely think it could win. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I, but but there's three movies there I haven't seen. Yeah. So right. that doesn't that doesn't show that much. <laughs> I don't think Judy Dench should win, even okay. though I think she's lovely. I think yeah, she's right. yeah. I think um sound I think we both I, know who should win that one. Yeah. What? I think we both know who should win yeah. that one. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, and, and I would be very upset if Judy not that she's not a great, but I yeah. would be upset. Agreed. Uh uh sound. Mm-hmm. You can't, I don't, you can't, there's no way it can beat things like Dune or West right. Side Story. There's right. just, come on, that's, they're, they're not in the same league, you know, that, and, and it's funny, you know, there is a certain point where big matters, right. you know? Yeah. Um, uh, what's, what's another one? What should we, which best director? Do you think your best director or no? So let me look at the nominations here. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Okay. Um, uh, hold on. I got to find the nominations. Yeah, do you think Jane Campion takes for Power of the Dog? Uh, I mean, we're going to talk about Power yeah, of the Dog. Talk. So, what uh, do you think the chances to what you would say? Um, I think I can't find the other nominations. I was just looking for it, and I, sorry, I'm no just way. scrolling around on the internet here. Um, <laughs> here, I'll get it for you. Why don't you just talk about whether you? Well, think- I'll, I mean, the person I think should win for Best Director is Steven Spielberg. Oh, right, of course. The, the, to me, there's like there's there's no comparison in terms of the master of filmmaking. It's mm-hmm. that it's Steven Spielberg on West Side Story. The so best director is um, Jane Campion, Power of the Dog, Kenneth yeah. Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, Steven Spielberg, and Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to talk a, 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 a lot about these other films as we yeah. go through them. But yeah. if I'm ranking them, it would go: yeah. Steven Spielberg is the top, then Kenneth yeah. Branagh, then Jane Campion, okay. then and I and uh, I haven't seen Licorice Pizza yet, so I can't comment on that. Drive <laughs> My Car is certainly a beautifully made film. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, but, but again, I suck at picking things. <laughs> so <laughs> well, what's your feeling? Um, oh, I think he's got a very good shot, but I don't think he'll win. Uh, and I think people will appreciate, it, but I don't think if this was an epic of a film, I think it'd be a different conversation. Uh, but I think it's nice that he was nominated because I do think directing in black and white, directing a story this intimate, setting it in a period piece like this. It's a very tall task nowadays yeah. for people's attention. So the fact that he got nominated, I think, is the is victory enough, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, in my opinion. Um, all right, Kieran Hines, does he have a shot here to win Best Supporting Actor? I, I think he does. I mean, he's really good in it. Yeah. He yeah. is really good in the film. Uh, I think he does have a shot. Uh, I think that there are some other really good performances. The biggest yeah. one, I think, is Troy Kotzer from CODA. Yeah, for CODA. That, he, he's okay. the guy who I think is going to win. Now, what about screenplay? Does it have a shot? Yeah, I do think it has a shot in screenplay. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Okay. But that's the one where I haven't seen a bunch of the other movies. So, what about what about you? Does it have a uh, shot in screenplay? 
for screenplay, yes, I think it's a possibility. I think it because it's a very well written film, uh, yeah. and it's and, and and it's unique. Yeah, exactly. And when you're talking about an intimate film like this, the screenplay is essential to making it uh, interesting and making people want to keep watching it, making people invest in these characters and enjoying these relationships. So, yeah, I mean, it's up against uh, Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, Worst Person in the World, and King Richard. So for me right now, I think that one place is where it has the most possibility to take home an award is best screenplay because yeah. I, I don't think people think king richard is that is that incredibly well written i don't think licorice pizza even though critics are falling all over themselves for that film is as well written as people think and don't look up is getting a lot of heat and worst person in the world we shall see um i haven't seen that film either so but i and I, it's in another language although it, parasite did win but i i think it would be surprising if they gave it again to a foreign language film so I think Branna would be the odds-on favorite to take this, in my opinion. I, I really agree. I really yeah. agree. I mean, it's funny. Like, we'll talk about Don't Look Up. Yeah, There's yeah, a lot. That's a conversation. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't give it an award for best screenplay. Yeah, I, and I think with best song, I think certainly Van Morrison, because people know Van Morrison, it has a shot. But I think the fact that Bruno... Even though it's not nominated, people love Encanto, I think there's a real possibility that those... Uruguita's wins by connection to being a part of Encanto. Um, uh, but Down to Joy is certainly a possibility because that's a really nice Van Morrison song. Uh, don't count out James Bond, No Time to Die, Billie Eilish. Sam Smith won when nobody predicted right. Sam Smith was going to win for that Spectre song. So you just never know what can happen with is, that song. So, yeah. Here's a question. Is yeah. all of the Oscar voting rank choice voting? You know, the, no, just best it, picture. Just best picture. Because that yeah. makes a big difference in... Yeah. And how this, and by the way, I think we should totally have ranked choice voting for most of our elections in politics. I don't know that I think we should have it for the Oscars. Oh, fair. All right. Yeah. Fair point. All right. Because what, what happens is in politics, yeah. it drives you to the middle, which is good. Mm -hmm. It takes away some of the power of the extreme edges because people have to compromise more because you need that second slot. Yeah. But being dragged to the middle in the Oscars gives you Green Book. Uh, fair point. You know uh, what I mean? Because yeah, because you have three movies that people are passionate about, but none of them win, and all of their second choices is one that's you know we all kind of like. <laughs> and so that's why I wonder about the Oscars if that's the right voting style for that. That's a fair point. Maybe that should be a future cinephile short. I kind of like that as a possible subject. We shall see. Uh, all right. Well, there we go. Any final words on Belfast, Steve? Before we wrap up here, um, I'm really glad this movie exists, and I actually think in a lot of ways. Because uh, this was from, was this Amazon? Is that? No, no. This was uh, Focus Features. Oh, it's Focus. Oh, yeah. I think we're. I think this is an interesting year for films. I really mm -hmm. do. I'm enjoying them. So, so I, I think it's an interesting movie, and I think people should definitely, definitely watch it. Yeah, and I think this is one that separates itself uh, quite powerfully from the rest of Kenneth Branagh's oeuvre as a as a director, and it's one to be. It's a one. It's one to cherish. When people say gem of a film. This yeah. is what they mean. And this is an absolute gem of a film. And it's fantastic. And if you haven't seen it in a while since it came out, go and revisit it and fall back in love with this movie because it certainly deserves your attention. I can't wait to buy this in 4K if it ever comes out in 4K to really enjoy the cinematography and the black and white in this movie, which is quite beautiful. All right. Well, that's uh, that's our conversation here on Belfast and it's Oscars chances. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Steve, where can they find you and everything you got going on? 
SR Morris on Twitter, SR Morris one on Instagram. The Cinephiles, we're still in the season of Spike Lee in the middle of Do the Right Thing and heading soon into Malcolm X. And on Enterprise Incidents tomorrow, our episode with the great Walter Koenig Chekhov, we're doing Gamesters of Trace Killian comes out. Nice, good stuff. Follow me at the Roka says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, uh, and the Outlaw Nation on Twitch. And as Steve said, the Cinephiles, all everything we do on the Cinephiles, go and listen to us wherever you download podcasts, Cinephiles. Uh, and uh, uh, my channel, make sure you subscribe down below, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell button, and let us know. Leave some comments. What are your thoughts on Belfast? What did you enjoy? What did you not enjoy? And uh, what other movies in the Oscar nomination process, not Best Picture, but other movies? You'd like to hear Steve and I give our two cents on. Maybe we'll find some time and do that as well. So let us know there in the comments section. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you tomorrow with another new episode of this series on another film nominated for Best Director, or Best Picture, rather, from the Oscars. Take care until then. Bye-bye.